Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Each Other Home. I am your host, Danny, and today's a solo cast. It's just me and you. And uh, the story that I'm going to tell you is the one about me going to Arizona to sit with ayahuasca. And it's quite a story. And that's the way that I'm going to tell it is just from beginning, like my preparations uh, all the way through during the lessons, the lead up all the way to afterwards. And even the magic that is still happening today, um, a little less than a week later. So I'm really fresh. Um, I left ceremony on Sunday and it's now Friday. And so forgive me if I jump around a little bit, I have my journal here. I'm going to try to stay on target as much as I can and just tell it like a story, but just, I'm just saying that now. So give me grace as I go through this. And I am going to tell you, this is going to be a little bit of a long podcast. Um, maybe listen to it in parts, but I'm going to tell you right now, before we get started, it's a big journey. All right. So join me for story time. Here we go. All right. So the first call to ayahuasca started when I was uh, still bodybuilding, actually. It was in 2017. And I sat with Aya the very first time then. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful that she was so gentle with me then because at the point where I was spiritually, emotionally, everything, uh, I don't know that I would have been able to handle some of the things that I was taught five years later this past weekend. And, you know, I'm, I'm changing the way that I refer to that very first ceremony, because I used to say, yeah, I sat with ayahuasca, but it was kind of watered down. The energy of the group was off and blah, blah, blah. I would make all of these different kinds of excuses for it, but I'm done with that because I sat with grandmother and what she gave me was exactly what I needed in that very first time with her. And just a little, a brief little lesson that I walked away from that very first time was, well, I took it, I was sitting in this portal of just all these colors and, you know, the DMT visions, if you've ever done any kind of psychedelics, that's kind of what you see is like all of these different colors and kaleidoscopes. And I was in this portal and, um, the shaman was around me shaking all their stuff, doing her thing. And I was in front of the fire and I was there meditating for probably about an hour, didn't move a muscle. And then I opened my eyes and I was sitting with the fire. And I remember looking at the fire thinking, watching it burn thinking about how plants sacrifice themselves for us. And before you do ayahuasca, usually there's a dieta that you follow. And it's like, you know, no pork, no red meat, no salt, no sugar, no oils, like really, really clean, no processed foods, no anything. And so I had done that. In fact, I fasted and I thought about how we sacrifice for the plants and this plant sacrifice for us. And it's this beautiful relationship of this, like giving and taking. And, um, and that really started to open me up to nature and how, you know, we are with nature with the giving and the taking. And so that was one of the lessons from that ceremony. And, uh, that was pretty much it. I mean, that was the big one I walked away from. I'll never forget looking at the fire, thinking about, thank you for sacrificing to keep us warm, for helping us cook our food, for growing as long as you have, and then letting us cut you down and do all these different things. So that was my very first sit with grandmother. And that was 2017. Shortly after that, I ended up leaving bodybuilding. Um, but I've sat with mushrooms and things like that too. And that really helped me with my identity and figure out what do I actually want anyway. Ever since that first ceremony, I've been 
really wanting to get back with ayahuasca, really wanting to sit with her and really sit with her. I mean, I want to puke. I want to go through all this stuff. I want to sit with her because that is a spirit of the earth and everything in my being wanted to be close to her again. And it took me five years to get there. And, uh, I tried before I even signed up for different ceremonies and something happened and then COVID hit and all these different things. And I was going to go for my birthday and nobody could travel because of COVID. So there was for five years, I have been like trying to sit again. And after I was here in Arizona, I understood why she waited because I was not ready. Um, in my mind, my body, my spirit, my emotions, I wasn't ready to get the lessons that she was really going to teach me when you really sit with grandmother. And so it all worked out. Um, and the flow of this happened so great. So I was going back to Sedona to go camping with the fit for service crew. And, you know, this was so exciting. So I, I found out when they were going and then I contacted the facilitator who I knew had ayahuasca and was very experienced with it. And I said, do you by chance have any ceremonies happening around this time? Cause I'm going to be here camping anyways. And he was like, yeah, actually that weekend. And I was like, okay, 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 okay. It's happening. It just felt so in flow and so right. It just, it, it just was a matter of me gathering the money and getting the time and committing to it. And so I did. And then preparing for ayahuasca. So about a month beforehand, so four weeks beforehand, I started my dieta and, you know, with my bodybuilding background, I kind of like dietas, you know, it's, um, I lean into that and I'm, I, it, it's a familiar place for me to be in sacrificing food. You know, it's one of our creature comforts and it kind of made me excited to get back on some kind of horse like that again. And so I started the dieta and, uh, it first started with getting rid of all processed foods um, in sugar. I have a thing with sugar and I feel like I'm, I'm past it for the moment. Um, but it, it really was tough for the first couple of days to cut out the sugar, even like the craisins in my trail mix. I love trail mix. Um, so first started to cut out processed foods, sugar, um, little treats at night, stuff that I know I didn't need. That was just excess. And started to cut out smoking things, smoking marijuana, smoking tobacco. I had some nice, loose, um, pretty special tobacco that I would smoke here and there. And I even knew that was needed to go. And then rape or hape is a tobacco snuff. Um, that's a plant medicine. And you, if you've never heard of it, it's going to sound so weird when I explain it to you. <laughs> so just don't, no judging. Um, and even if you do judge, that's okay. It's a reflection of you, not me anyway. Uh, hape is a tobacco snuff that you basically blow up your nose and you sit with it. It helps you meditate. It helps you ground and center into yourself. And it's actually a really, really beautiful practice. Um, but even that had to go because with nicotine, with tobacco, there's a certain pull that it has on you. And so for me, I wanted to get rid of anything that might take up any kind of psychological space when I was sitting there in ceremony. So Marijuana, even though it wasn't that frequent, that went tobacco of all kinds went, sugar went, processed foods gone. The first two weeks were like kind of hard, you guys. <laughs> um, and then after that, getting getting closer and closer into ceremony, I felt myself getting even more strict. So then even tofu and tempeh wet, so wet went. <laughs> um, so if you're thinking of preparing for an ayahuasca journey, 
one of the biggest things to be careful of is tyramine or tyramine, however you want to say it. Basically, it's amino acid that interacts with the MAOI in the ayahuasca and can create some sort of like blood pressure things, heart things. And so you really just want to eliminate those from your diet as much as you can, especially in the like week, you know, the couple of days leading up to ceremony. But I took that very seriously. So for me, it was started like three weeks out and then two weeks out and then so tofu and tempeh are fermented foods, which I think create tyramines, um, overly ripened bananas, overly ripened raspberries, kind of like overly ripened fruit and fermented things. And, um, so I cut those out and I was just down to beans and rice and fruit and rice cakes and a little bit of almond butter, but eventually even the almond butter went and you guys, I am not a bean eater. I, like for my whole life, I'm like, you know what? I know I should like beans, especially after I went vegan five or six years ago. I was like, you know, I know I should like beans, but I just can't do the texture. It just is smushy and kind of sedimenty. And I just couldn't do it. But this helped me like beans because without tofu and tempeh, well, what are you going to eat for protein and for all that other stuff? And so I cooked black beans and I ate them. I'm very proud of that. I even did it without salt and seasoning, which is a big step for me. Um, and I ate edamame beans, which I like, or bonzo beans. I was air frying them. I was feeling really good about trying a whole new thing and actually really enjoying it. And so by the time I got to Sedona for the camping, I my, my diet was pretty much just uh, beans. And even those went the last couple of days too. Beans, rice, fruit, rice cakes, and that's pretty much it. And for the fruit, it was melon, lots of watermelon, watermelon, apples, pears, cantaloupe, strawberries. That was, and that's pretty much it. And then after I got to camp, it was basically just fruit and rice cakes. And I had a little bit of plain, plain white rice. So it was super plain, super pure. And I had gotten to the point, even at home where I was eating maybe one meal a day, one and a half meals a day. And I don't eat a ton anymore. I don't work out as hard as I used to. So I don't need a lot of food. And in fact, I like an empty belly. I feel much better on it. I feel a little bit more clear and I really like fasting. So I do it as much as I can. And even, and it made it easier when I got to camp because then it was like, okay, so you're going to have watermelon for this meal and then maybe some apples. And that was pretty much it. And so we're at camp and, oh, I hope I don't miss anything in this story. All right. So before I got to camp, I was really stuck on flutes. I want a flute. I want to learn how to play a flute. I was looking them up online. I had a bunch of tabs open on my phone. I figured out which one I want, what chord I want or what key. Um, and I was just in the flute realm. And a day before I left for Arizona, I bought a sound bowl. And so I had been on this, this thinking, like, I want to do sound journeys. I want to be a sound healer because I teach yoga, but not everybody wants to do power yoga, even though I love it. Other people love my classes. I want to offer something else. I wanted to offer another kind of medicine, another kind of healing. So sound felt like something that I could do because I didn't think I could really sing. And so I thought if I had a flute, that could kind of be my voice and I could use the bowls and, and different things like that. And so we get to Sedona, we're at the campsite and it's the most beautiful campsite. And, and some of the guys got there even earlier and, and set up a whole temple. They built a big, huge, beautiful table. And so I went over to the temple. I was like, I want to see the temple. And so it's, it was like strung up with uh, different fabrics. 
And uh, I go in there and if there's yoga mats and blankets and all of these different things around, and there's this beautiful altar with some Buddhas and some malas and all these cards that you can pull and play with. And I was like, ee, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life for sure. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and there's this, this couple there and he pulls out a flute and it looks just like the ones I've been looking at. And I'm like, just keep it together. And he starts playing and I just lose it. And I mean, this was 10 minutes of me being in Sedona. The magic started barely. I didn't even get my stuff out of the car yet. And I'm already crying. <laughs> and then he lets me play it and I play it and it sounds like a flute. It doesn't, I don't totally ruin the sound. It like worked. And I was like, I was like, thank you. I have, I don't even know if I can explain how much on this flute kick I have been and how like I'm getting one when I get back, if I don't find one here in Sedona somewhere. And so, you know, he gave me the name anyway of this flute shop and we start talking and come to find out he lives in Rhode Island, like an hour and a half from me here on Cape Cod and him and his girlfriend do sound journeys and they have 10 different kind of flutes. They have this Chinese harp and and they're like, if you and your husband, Ian, want to come over and do a jam session with, with us one night or do a sound journey and experience it, then, you know, you're more than welcome. And I'm like an hour and a half. That is so doable. That's doable, like monthly. So 10 minutes into Sedona and I'm already freaking out. <laughs> okay. And then eventually we leave the temple and we go set up our hammocks. And so we set up our hammocks. We finally find a spot and I'm traveling with my girlfriend, Mallory. And this is the girl that I met last year in Sedona. And we did hammocks together. We flew on the plane together. We were just kind of buddies the whole time, stayed in contact. And um, the whole way on the plane, we were like, oh, we should offer stuff. So she's a breathwork practitioner. She's been studying um, awakened breathwork. And with Luca, um, Lucas and Hella, I think those are their names, Lucas and Hella. Well, awaken breath work. And she's great at it. She's so amazing. And she's offering group sessions and in-person sessions. And I'm teaching yoga. And so we're like, wouldn't it be so cool? And she lives in Philly. I live in Cape Cod. So we're like, wouldn't it be cool if we put together some kind of weekend where we bring all the spirit stuff, where we bring the breath work, where we bring the plant medicine, where we bring the yoga and bring all this stuff together for people on the Northeast. A lot of people up here don't have spaces like that. Um, so the whole plane ride, we're like, what could we offer? What could we do? And, you know, we came up with this thing. We'll do yoga. I'll do yoga. She'll do breath work. And so we're like, all right, cool. When we get back, we're doing this. So we get to temple and get to the camp. And there is spots for us to sign up uh, for morning ritual. So each morning they had people sign up uh, to do sound, meditation, movement, and breath work. And everybody had different days and Thursday was open. And I'm like, you, do you want to do it? Do you want to sign us up? So she signed us up and, you know, we were like, all right, we're just in. We talked about this the whole way. Like, here's a great place for us to practice. And so Thursday morning came and we offered our, our morning ritual. I started us off with yoga and meditation and she did a little activation breath. And then we went through a power yoga series, had amazing music. I had a speaker there. And if you guys have ever taken my class, I love that the music to me is half of the class. Like the poses are great, but the music is what holds us. And so then we ended in Shavasana and then she started with the breath work. Okay. Start with your activation breathing. And she was counting for us and doing all these things. And then she ended with, um, a higher self meditation and I just want to tell you the story about the higher self meditation first, because it was a really beautiful, uh, 
it was a really beautiful image and, and I offer it to you. And maybe this is something that you could bring your mind to. So she was saying, what does your higher self look like and smell like and feel like and all these different things? And I had this beautiful vision in my head of me, <laughs> myself, um, but I was all in white. I almost, I had this sort of like white robe outfit on. It was like kind of angelic, but not too big, not too cumbersome. It was just really pretty. And I was in the forest, of course, and like a wet, like a enchanted forest with ivy that was dripping and deep green and brown. And my, the whole backdrop of me was just green plants. And I was all in white and my face, my being, my vibration was just, just, mm, steady and serene and peaceful and trusting and knowing in this feminine power that was just so loving, so nurturing, even, and I had just like a small little smirk on my face and it just felt like unconditional love. And during the meditation, I got closer and closer to my higher self and we were face to face. And eventually we were reflections of each other. I was her, she was me. I was wearing what she was wearing and I was looking right at myself and all of this power and this beauty. And it was just such a beautiful image. And then she like, we merged, she walked into me and then was sitting on my heart, on my, my, my pridayam, right in my heart chakra and still in her white outfit. She was there meditating and she grew bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger inside of me and then became me. And it was just this beautiful moment that like, oh, like she's always with me. She's with me all the time and she's never going to leave as long as I tap into her and I know that she's there, um, we're connected. And so there was just a really beautiful uh, moment that I had with my higher self. And I offer that up to all of you because you all have a higher self as well, whether you know it or not, or tap into it or not, um, it's there for all of us, no matter what religion or tradition or anything you believe in. Yeah. So, so there's that. All right. So we're at camp and me and Mallory go for a walk and we're walking and we walk all the way down toward the red rocks. Like there's this big wall of red mountain rock and we keep walking and we end up in Palatki with the Palatki ruins. I think that was the name. I don't, I hope I'm not butchering that, but in the Palatki ruins and we get there right away and a tour is starting. So we're like, all right, divine timing. Let's go for it. They take us up and we see this ancient Native American cave dwelling. And all these little bricks are like mudded for thousands of years um, that have been there. And you could even see inscriptions on the wall of like different initials. And you could see this big black stain, like where they had their fire, where they would cook stuff. Um, and then they take us over to this other grotto area where there's like water and where the Native American women used to wash their hair and get ready to basically find a suitor. And on the walls, there was all these cave paintings of like ripples and coyotes and deer and different, like a cross with a box and all these different things. And so we were really in this Native American feeling and, you know, the flute thing, the Native American ruins and everything happened so effortlessly. And, um, yeah. So eventually we make our way back to camp and I forgot, I jumped around a little bit with my story, but that's okay. After we did our morning ritual, we had the opportunity to sit with combo and combo is a frog medicine. If you don't know what that is, it's a frog medicine. Basically they take the poison 
it's, it's so funny when I explain some of this stuff, it sounds crazy, but when you're in the moment doing it, it makes perfect sense. They basically take the poison of the frog, the top, the, the medicine, and they burn, they burn little holes in your skin with an incense. So they light it, get it hot. And then they, so they burn a couple little things. Um, and then they take the medicine and they put it in each dot. And when you're sitting with the medicine, it kind of makes you feel nauseous. It's, it's a purgative, it's cleansing, it's healing. So it's supposed to get stuff out of you. Um, it's, you know, and clear the way it's basically a lot of people recommend it before you do ayahuasca for that very reason. And so I'm sitting with the medicine. We do one, one point first, and then we put on the other five and I'm like, I want six. I want to do the normal dose. I want to, I'm going in, like, I'm here for this. I don't care if I throw up. That's what I'm looking to throw up because I want to get all of this, whatever's in the way out of me. So that was my intention with sitting with combo was, um, clear whatever's in the way of, ayahuasca doing her work on me. Um, and we also sit with Sananga, which is a, I think it's like extracted pepper, but it's basically eye drops. So they put two eye drops here and then you blink your eyes and the liquid goes in your eyes and it burns. I mean, burns, but it's not tear. It's not like it's manageable. You know what I mean? Uh, and so it burns. I sit through it. Then we sit up and do a little bit of hape or rape. The thing I explained before with the snuff up the nose. And it was so cool. You look right into his eye and he blows it. And it was so powerful. And I didn't blink. And I felt like such a spirit warrior, um, which was the card I pulled spirit warrior before I left on this journey. So I'm feeling like a warrior. I've been fasting. I, I dealt with the Sananga like a champion, um, did the hape, didn't even blink. And then they put the six points of combo on me. And I'm sitting there with the medicine and it's, you know, it's a little nauseating, a little disorienting and I don't even purge. I didn't even throw up. And at first I was disappointed. I was like, uh, wow, the reason why I'm doing this here is so that I can purge. It's three 33, by the way, right now. And, uh, you know, I, eventually I come to find out that that's a, that's a good thing. Like if you can do six points of combo and not purge, then you're doing, you're a warrior. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, and so combo had been coming up for me a couple of times. I had had a conversation about it a couple of weeks ago, and I've always kind of wanted to do this. And I'm kind of, I like to explore. I like to do things and try things, especially as they're presented to me. So combo just felt right. And, you know, I think it was, and my intention for doing combo was, clear whatever's in the way of ayahuasca, doing whatever she needs to do. And apparently there was nothing in the way. And so no purging, up or down purge. And uh, yeah, so that was, so that was good. That was it. And uh, the next day we leave camp and head over to the facilitator's house. There was a couple little things in between, but I'll save you the details. Um, our shuttle was late. And we were just leaning into trust, like, you know, we got to get there at a certain time and leaning into trust. And um, so we did. Mm. I made a big cup of cacao for this. Mm. Plants. I love plants. I love plant medicine. I just love it. So we get dropped off from the shuttle. We're waiting at the gas station for 
the facilitator to come get us. That's just how it, how it happened that night because the shuttle got really messed up and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I love dogs. There were two people walking these beautiful Huskies. And I was like, oh my goodness, I love dogs. And then our guy pulls up and he has a dog. He has a little dog with him, actually kind of a big dog, but he jumps out of the car. And I was so excited to see, I love dog medicine. I love dogs. And um, so the dog name is Baba. And he eventually, you know, gets in the car with us. So we're headed back to the house and Baba becomes my little friend. I mean, he was like my little trip friend for the whole weekend. He sat on my mattress the whole time, like wouldn't leave me alone. And I loved it. And come to find out he found this dog on the street a week and a half before we got there. And he almost, he watched him like almost get hit by a car. This dog wouldn't stop following, you know, this facilitator guy. And, um, so he took him home, cleaned him up and now it's like his pet and he's, he's like a ceremony dog and he's there with everybody and he's so awesome. Okay. So we get there, put our stuff down, change into our all white ceremony clothes. And I was so ceremonied out. You guys, I've, you know, had this and everything I had on meant so much to me. I mean, from head to toe, everything I had on was like, just meant everything. So I had on, I found this beautiful Ganesha, uh, white shirt. So traditionally when you do ayahuasca, you wear white. And so I put on my white Ganesha shirt and he's like big in the middle, all this Sanskrit stuff all around him, you know, how they decorate. And it's just beautiful. So Ganesha's on, I find this pure white pair of sweatpants at Marshall's. And it was the only white pair of sweatpants left in the store just so happened to be my size. And I felt called to go there because I needed white sweatpants and I found them. So I had those on, those were like my miracle pants. And then a hoodie I had on my sister. She gave me this, uh, wiss of honor thing for her wedding. I was her maid of honor. We call each other wiss. And so it said wiss of honor. I had on my favorite mala. This is my baby that I made for yoga teacher training. And this is my ceremony mala. I wear this when I teach. Sometimes I wear this for really, really special occasions. And so I had this on and I had my outfit on and, you know, I had another outfit on, but I actually kept this one on for two days straight. I probably stunk, but it just meant so much to me that I couldn't and didn't want to take it off. <laughs> All right. And so we're sitting there and we start listening about the medicine and what ayahuasca is and means and does and all these things and come to find find out it's one of the oldest plant medicines that we have on this earth it's like 12,000 years old uh there's over 83 traditions that practice ayahuasca so there's no one right or wrong way to do it it's how you feel and how you connect with the medicine and that's how you facilitate it whether you're from the jungle or germany or wherever or the USA, um, there's all different ways that you can do it. And it's based on your relationship with the medicine. And it's one of the safest medicines that you can do. The only time ayahuasca becomes dangerous is when you are on SSRIs or probably other MAOIs. I'm not really sure, but other SSRIs can cause serotonin syndrome and probably some other stuff. So the only time ayahuasca is dangerous is depending on what other prescription medications you're on. So it's really one of the safer medicines. And so I love the way that we set this up because I felt really safe about everything and felt so connected and was just like so ready and coming into this ceremony, you know, I had a couple intentions and I'll, I'll read my little poem with you because I'm going to tell you guys the whole story of this. And, um, I'm just going to be totally transparent and just tell you where I was coming from. Um, 
So my intentions, my like burning desires, I wanted to know what is my path forward? Like I'm frustrated. I love doing conscious champion. I love what I do online. I love teaching yoga, but like, what is the thing? What is my medicine that I'm here like to do? And how will I serve? I really wanted instructions. Mother earth, teach me, show me, instruct me. How will I serve you, the spirit of the earth, the best and your people and myself? Like, what is it that I'm here to do? I'm ready to sink my teeth in and I'm ready for that Olympia size vision. The last time I had a vision like this is when I was on the Olympia stage. And that is so clear. It's like, there is one spot in the world that you are aiming for. And this is how you get there. You diet, you compete, you train, you get a coach, you do this, everything. So it was like very clear. And since I left bodybuilding, 2017, I haven't had a clear vision. Like this is what I'm here to do. And it's frustrating for somebody like me who likes to be coached, who likes to follow, you know, instruction. And I'd like to dedicate myself. I think it's the, the clear dedication and the devotion that I was frustratingly missing in my life. And so a couple, so the intention that Claire, one of my mentors helped me with is dear spirit of Aya, I see what I am missing. I step through my fears to walk my soul's path. I see who I am and I become myself fully. And then I made up a little uh, poem that I'll read to you. And this was how my intention started. Dear Ma, how may I serve thee? Where would you have me go? What would you have me do? Who would you have me be? Dear Pachamama, show me what's in my way. Where am I still caught? Where are my feet stuck? What stops me from shining all the way? Dear mother, show me who I really am. Who are my ancestors? Who walks with me? Who are my guides and who do I call my fam? Dear Gaia, connect me to the depth of your spirit. Reveal my dharma in a way that I can hear it. Show me the nurture of your nature. Let me see your vibrational call. Show me the way and how I am connected to it all. I haven't read that. Oh my God. Whew. I haven't read that since ceremony. And another little aha moment just hit me. I don't know if I'm going to cry when I start to get into, when I start to get into this, I don't know. There might be some emotions that come up. So just bear with me. Wow, another aha just hit me. That's great. I'll tell you later when I get into it. And then I I write her a little note. So before I do um mushrooms or anything like that, I write a note or a letter to the consciousness of whatever it is that I'm sitting with. And I won't read you this whole thing, but basically I said, Dear Aya, uh, I'm ready for your lessons. I'm here. I'm your student. I'm your disciple. I'm your child. And I'm ready for you to hold me and teach me. And I have these intentions, but I'm, I don't want to put restrictions on you because I know that you have your own way and your own medicine and the own your own things that you have in mind for me. And so here are my intentions, but I'm okay if you don't answer any of them. I'm just going to throw my hands up and let you take the wheel on this. And I also said, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to finally meet you to sit with you, to see you, to experience you, to feel you. And I said, even if I don't have the words to ever describe you to anybody, I don't even care because this is for me and it's for you. And um, I also said, 
Thank you for doing what you do to help awaken this planet. Thank you for teaching people and showing them the way. And I'm so sorry for what the people of this planet do to you. They don't see you for what they do to your plants, your creatures. Um, I basically said, I'm so sorry for them. Please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I said, my prayer is that one day everybody will get to see you, really see you and feel you. And maybe when they do, maybe they'll treat you a little differently. And maybe your connection to your people will be even deeper and more respectful and even that much more beautiful. And I close it out with, I'll see you from my window when I'm outside and I'll be seeing you in ceremony. I love you, mom. <laughs> oh God. It's so great to read this after everything happened. Okay. So those are the intentions. And so we start the ceremony. And um, let me see where I am. So we drink the medicine first. We drink the ayahuasca vine. So the way that he has it set up is the ayahuasca vine is in its own thing. And then we have the acacia root or acacia leaf, which is the DMT. And then after that is the bobinsana and the Neue Rao plant, which he puts a little drop in each. And so first we drink the ayahuasca vine. This is the vine of the souls. This is the mother. This is her vibration. So we drink this, let it settle, let the enzymes do what they're going to do. 15 minutes later, we drink the acacia leaf and that's the DMT. And so from there it goes in and starts working. And that the Bobinsana and Noya Rao, there's like a little drop in, you know, one of these cups somewhere just to get the vibration of these beautiful plants. It's all about vibration. So good. So good. Um, and the medicine tastes terrible. Like the acacia is like bitter later in the ceremony. I remember licking my lips and being like zinged into next week with like this bitter, whatever. Um, and so we're off, we're flowing with the medicine and, uh, listening to music and it's the most beautiful genius music I have ever listened to. And if you want to check it out, um, it's called iTunes. And I think you can get it on like Bandcamp or, or something, but genius music composer, producer, it was phenomenal. And, you know, I, I came into this thinking, um, it's going to be all of the Icaros. In fact, even before I was listening to all the Icaros getting warmed up for them, but it really wasn't that at all. He had his own way. And we definitely listened to some of the Spanish medicine songs that were, are so, you know, traditional and rooted in the ayahuasca tradition. But there was also this beautiful music that was weaved and composed just for sitting with Aya. And it was so beautiful, so gentle. And if you want to talk about set and setting, I mean, set and setting is everything with plant medicine. And so the music was just amazing. And there were little Sanskrit chants. And, you know, I have a yoga background, like a, so much so that I love the philosophy more than I even like the pose. The poses are great, but the philosophy, the chanting, the mantras, the Sanskrit, the Bhagavad Gita, all of that stuff is stuff that I've been studying for the last two or three years. And I mean, steeped in it, I'm surrounded by it. I studied the Bhagavad Gita every week with my Hindu teacher. And like, when I tell you, I love it. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I have the words to express how much I love 
Hinduism, the Vedas, yoga. It's big. Okay. Just feel that for a moment. (laughs) And so then he sings a couple songs, a couple medicine songs. And then he said, okay, who wants more medicine? And I'm like, I do. Because I wasn't totally, I was feeling it, but not totally feeling it yet. And so I drink the second cup. And then I am in the music. I mean, I am like, so I'm flow. I'm just going back and forth. My hand is on my heart for two days. Um, But there was this point where I was, I couldn't tell where my body started and the music started. It was just all one. I couldn't even tell what position I was sitting in. Um, like I remember opening my eyes and being like, are my legs closed? Like, are they folded up or are they out? I I couldn't feel my body, but I could feel the music and I could feel everything that was happening. And it was magnificent. Um, and right before this, so he was saying like, the more that you relax, the better the medicine works. And so if you're too much waiting for something to happen, if you're like waiting for the visions and like trying to make it happen, it won't really happen. And so he was like, it's like daydreaming. So I said, okay. And I was listening to the music and just really loving it. So I taught, I I said to myself, don't even, don't even, you know, don't even listen right now. Just don't even actively listen, shut that off. And I kept saying, don't even, and I would say, don't even in my forehead would unwrinkle. Don't even in my eyes would soften. Don't even in my jaw would soften. Don't even in my body. And so that was my mantra was don't even, don't even, don't even. And eventually when everything relaxed, the vision came. And I turned into a flute. I don't, I don't know how to explain it to you, but it was almost like the holes in my face became holes. And I was just this hollow instrument, this hollow bone, this hollow flute. And the music was playing through me. And it was the most beautiful vision And it was a reminder, and this is when the intention, my questions start getting answered. It's like, it doesn't matter what you do in life. Get empty, get so empty in your thoughts and everything and let the universe play you like its instrument. You are an instrument of the universe. If you can get empty enough, that's all you have to do is let the universe come through you. And if you know anything about Krishna and Hinduism and anything, Krishna plays a flute. And in this moment, I was like, oh, so if I empty enough, Krishna, God, universe will play through me. So it doesn't matter what I'm here to do. Get empty. And that is the objective. So that was the first like kind of amazing. I'll never, I'm actually, well, I'll tell you in a minute. I'll get there. (laughs) And so... Then he says, who wants more medicine? And I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm not, I still haven't purged. I'm feeling pretty good. So I take the third cup and, you know, I'm sitting here with my soul sister and it just ended up being me and her. It was supposed to be a group of people, but it ended up everybody canceled and ended up coming this weekend actually. And so it ended up just being me, Mallory and the facilitator. That's it. I mean, when I tell you, I swear to God, this whole ceremony was formed just for me. I mean that. Um, Okay. And so I'm thinking about my soul sister next to me. And then I start to think about 
who I would want in this space with me. Like, God, there's so many people missing out on this right now. I want my, my, my real sister, Sarah with me. I want my girlfriend, Alona with me. Um, I want Claire, my mentor with me, like people who would really get this yoga feeling and who would really sit in this medicine, be a warrior with this, with, with me. And it, and it felt like, um, I just want my sisters around me right now. And I felt this deep level of love for this sisterhood, this divine feminine sisterhood that we have. And, and there's a bond between females and you can't always describe what it is, and, but it's strong. And when females are empowering females, something happens. It's like, it's very powerful. And, you know, I haven't, I've, I've never really, I mean, I think over the last couple of years is when that's really started to come online for me because being a bodybuilder, I was so in the masculine around men all the time. Um, even, you know, my coach and my close people, like everybody was very much in their masculine and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm still very much in my masculine, but feeling the strong bond of female sisterhood and how much I want them with me and how much they matter on this journey. Um, and then I, I thought about what is it, what is this that binds us together and love is what came up love. So now here's where the love words start. Okay. Love is what binds us together. And then I started thinking about my family, my, my aunt my mom, my grandma. And I could see this thread of love that was holding everybody together, sort of this love sutra and sutra in Sanskrit means thread. And so there was this love sutra binding all of these powerful sisters together. And we were standing there and my grandma was in the middle. My grandma was in the middle. And then my mom and my aunt, me and my sister, and then all of our soul sisters were by our sides. And we were like standing at the top of this mountain or this hill holding hands. And we were just like freaking powerful, chest out, chin up, just power. And, not, and I'm not going to forget about the masculine here because what I also saw was the divine masculine. There were these pillars in our life. And I could see my grand, my grandfather was a pillar for my grandmother, my husband, Ian, my sister's husband, Evan, even the guy, the facilitator was this divine masculine, this pillar. And they were all holding, they were all pillaring, pillaring <laughs> as we were flowing around them. And they, we all had our place and they didn't have to be holding hands with us, but they were holding us up. And it was just, you know, I had this new level of gratitude for my husband and like, thank you for allowing me to be the bodybuilder. I was, thank you for allowing me to do the work that I do. Like you are such a strong pillar in the work that I get to do. And, um, just this immense gratitude for the feminine sisterhood and the masculine pillars that we have in our life and how, how much, how important it is that we heal our masculine and our feminine within us. And, and not just our own energies, but maybe stuff that's happened to us along the way with our mom and our dad and certain teachers and certain people in our life. And so really just a lot of this masculine feminine stuff. Um, and so I go back to love. I go back to love and, and I see my grandma. And I see my grandma as this elder in 
this thread of love and how she started it. And she has a couple things that she lives by that she's repeated over and over my whole life. Um, she says like, you never abandon your children and you never kick them out of your house. You never charge them to live with you. You know, she has these certain rules and I see, and she lives them because my uncle is 61 and still kind of off and on lives with her. And, um, you know, she's, she was this pillar of love and she's that starting point, the top of the pyramid, the, the elder, you guys, the elder, we, we forget about the elders. We stick them in a fucking nursing home and we forget about them. And they have the wisdom. They hold the keys. They've lived so much life. They have so much love and they have no ego left. They don't care about what they look like. They don't care about any of these other things that we care so much about. They, they have it. You know, and I saw her as just this wise woman and she's 84 and she is, you know, I mean, whether she has five or 10 years left, she's, she's kind of in, in that last phase of her life, you know, and my grandma is one of the most important people in my life, even before this, um, I've been connected to her. I'm the oldest grandchild. And I've been connected to her since I can remember. She helped raise me when I was little and my mom was going through some stuff with drinking and she was always there. And she, I, she lives on Cape Cod with me. She's literally 20 minutes down the road. And I always say, you know, why, why am I on Cape Cod? Like, why am I, I miss Colorado. I miss my friends. Why, why am I here? <laughs> um, and I keep saying, you know, it's so I get to see my dad and my grandma is here. And a couple months ago, we lost my grandfather. He was 91. She took care of him till his very last breath. He died at home. You know, she was a nurse all her life. And so there's been, a, that happened three months ago, almost to the date. And then here's my grandma. And you know, I've never really let my mind go to the point where she won't be with us anymore in years, a handful of years. And, you know, I go over and I bring her flowers and I bring her crumb cake and I do little stuff for her, but I've never let my mind go to like, when she passes, my relationship with her is going to be very different. It's not like the love doesn't go away. And I know she doesn't go away, but feeling the feeling of her not being here in this physical reality with us anymore, I've never really thought of it. And ayahuasca brought that up for me. And I saw her memorial picture. And I don't know if there was a coffin or an urn or whatever, but I just saw the picture and I knew what it was. And I like let myself, I grieved, I grieved her passing. And I felt so much love. I let myself get to this deep, deep level of love. And at this point, love and grief were the same thing. I was loving so much, loving her and all her sayings and everything that she is and her crankiness and everything and grieving and loving and grieving and loving and just rocking back and forth and just feeling everything. This deep level of 
feeling that I've never felt before. And the love, like to love somebody and something so much that it's actually physically painful. It was the level of love I got to was painful in my body. And I was like rocking back and forth, holding myself, grabbing my hoodie and just, just in it. And so I started to think about as, as a sisterhood, how do we, when one of our sisters passes, how do we honor her? We don't just do a funeral and a celebration of life or whatever. It just seemed so surface level. And I thought about all of us getting together and consciously loving, loving her to the other side, loving her on her way and just being together in love as she crosses over to the other side. And like, it doesn't matter where she goes. It doesn't matter if there's a heaven or if she gets reborn or anything, but our job in this moment is to love her to the other side. And I thought about my best friend is about to have a baby, like right now, like she's in the hospital, like probably giving birth right now. And I thought about one of my sisters bringing life in and then the passage of life and just was in this beautiful, painfully beautiful experience of it all. And, um, thought about honoring, honoring the birthing and the releasing of life and love. And again, I keep coming back to love. And before I got, you know, when we were at camp, we were talking all about the woman archetype, the mate, the maid, the mother, the crone, the enchantress, all these different things. I don't know that much about it, but people were talking and I was like, what is this? I was so curious and how different cycles, when girls are on their moon cycle, they can tap into different energies during the week. So like one week, they might be really creative. One week, they might be really empowered or really like, I just need to be alone. And so there, there's these different weeks in our cycle that we can harness differently. And for me, I always was like, this cycle, this period needs to go. I'm just going to act like it doesn't exist. I'm just going to muscle my way through it and just just, it's not, we're just going to pretend like this doesn't happen, but I've, I'm starting to understand, no, I can harness this energy. Like this feminine goddess energy, this cycle is powerful. This is what creates life. And this needs to be looked at so differently. So I was already in this, like my mind was being blown by the, the moon cycle. And, uh, so yeah, so I was just thinking all about that. And actually during this ceremony, I got my cycle. Okay. That's how connected and crazy everything was, was that that happened. And I didn't think that was going to happen. I had no symptoms, no anything. It was just, you know, I was camping, doing combo, doing all these different things. None of that was about to happen, but it came on that night, all up in the feminine divine sisterhood situation. Okay. And then, so I'm in this love thing. We're strung together by love love is the answer. And you guys before, okay. A week before I went to Sedona, I, I picked out a cup that I was going to bring to the ayahuasca ceremony. I'm like, okay, well, if I need a cup, I'm going to bring one and look what it says. Love. If you're listening, I'm holding up a cup right now on YouTube that says love. I picked this <laughs> at target. 
a week before I even went to Sedona. I had no idea we were going to do, my mind was going to take me to the love thing. Anyway, love cup. Okay. And so I'm thinking, you know, back to my intentions, well, mother earth, how, how am I, how can I serve you best? What am I here to do for you and your people? And I heard it love. You love yourself. You love others so deeply that it's fucking painful. You teach the message of love. You share the message of love. You help other people love. You hold them in love. Everything kept coming back to love is your answer. Danielle, you listen to me. Love. Um, and in that moment, I was like, I need to reach out to everybody I know. I need to reach out to everybody I know and look them right in the soul and say, I love you. Like you need to hear me and I love you to the depth that it's painful in my soul. I love you. And I felt so strongly that I needed to call everybody like right after the ceremony <laughs> and tell them, and I want them to feel how much I mean it. And I even pass that on to everybody listening right now. I love you. I don't know you. I maybe, maybe I do. Maybe I don't, I don't even need to because I love you. And so I think I mentioned this before, but the, the card that I pulled before this whole journey was spirit warrior. And I felt like a whole warrior this time, right? Like I did, I did all these different medicine, still no purging. I'm fasting. I'm being so strong in my mind, so steady in my spirit, just here. And I'm in joy and I'm in love. And when I was teaching yoga at the temple, every, I had everybody in warrior too. And I said, all right, what are you a warrior of? What do you fight for on this earth? What is your thing that like your, what is your thing? And somebody asked me, Danny, what is your thing that you fight for? And I said, spirit, I said, spirituality. And I, and I mean that, but now what I know to be true, what I'm a warrior of is love L O V E. I'm a love warrior. I will fight for that. That's my answer. And it, that, that was a, when I said I fight for spirit, it's true, but it was like not felt. And then another thing clicked into place. My, this podcast talking each other home. I always ask my guests, what is home to you? And people say all different things. Nobody's asked me yet. And I was kind of glad because for me, home, I say self or I say spirit or soul. And in a way, intellectually, that makes sense to me. But I, that wasn't a felt answer. That wasn't, I couldn't feel what home felt. What is that? You know, self felt right. But now I know love. I know home to be love walking each other home, talking each other home to love because love is all there is. Even if you're all the emotions, the, the, the immense amount of grief that somebody might feel is because you love so hard. The immense amount of fear that you have is because maybe you love your life or you love this person or you don't want to lose them. Everything comes back to love. God is love. I've, I've seen that before and I didn't understand it, but now I freaking get it. God is love. Period. <laughs> okay, it gets better. I told you this is going to be long, and I'm not even. I'm like halfway through. Um, so then, 
and taking a breath from that. And then, you know, the music's still playing. This is all the music, the ceremony is still going on at, uh, during all of this, this stuff that's happening. And then the chant comes on, not just any chant, but the chant. I say it's my chant because this chant has been something that I have practiced in the car for the last year. I teach it to my students in yoga. I, I play it probably every, at least once a month for them. And I tell them what it means and the meaning, you know, the whole thing behind the Sanskrit and the chanting and who's chanting and Krishna Das and oh, it's so good. And so the chant comes on. It's Mire Guru Dev, basically my guru or the guru. And the chant comes on. And I grab my heart and I just fall forward. And I'm just like, oh my God, right now, this chant out of all the chants that could be playing, this is the one I'm hearing. And I am just crying because it was like all of the spiritual work I've been doing for the last couple of years, all of the devotion to yoga to listening to the chants, to, to studying Sanskrit, to getting Sanskrit tattooed on me, to studying the Bhagavad Gita for a year straight and just all the meditations, right? All, 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 all of my spiritual practices that I have been following and devoting myself to without knowing where it was going to lead me. I like this blind devotion, this blind faith, just because it felt right for, I'm talking years, you guys not knowing what, where the end goal was, if there even was an end goal. And it was like, it was all for this night. It was all for this moment in this night that I had in the ceremony, listening to the chants, figuring out love. And then in that moment, I said, you know, I thought about the song, Mire Guru Dev, and it says, I throw these flowers at, at your feet. I'm, I'm not worthy. You don't know me. I give ev- all that I, all that I am, I owe to you is what is said in this chant, chanting to the guru. And I would always think, who is this guru? That's so important that this is like what people are chanting to. But in a way I understood the guru isn't necessarily a person. It's, it's like the teacher in all things. It's not just the guru. It's not just a guru. It's the guru. And in that moment, I understood the that love is the guru. The guru is love. That is the ultimate teacher. That is the one we bow to. That is the one that bows to us and that teaches us. And all that we are is because of love. (sighs) And so when I tell you everything that I've been studying clicked into place, this was the moment, boom. And then the next song that came on was a Krishna chant. And it was just very, very light in the background, Krishna, Hari Krishna, 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 Hari, Hari. And it was just, and it was so beautiful and so soft. And, and then if you don't know the story about the Bhagavad Gita, basically real quick, Arjuna is the warrior on the battlefield and Krishna, God is his charioteer. He's the one driving the horse and buggy and Arjuna is the warrior that's about to fight. And Krishna is sort of his higher self is his, you know, consult, his person that's giving him advice and teaching him why you need to fight, why this is your Dharma. This is like a dialogue between the warrior and God, basically. And in this moment, 
Krishna, this Krishna chant was playing. He was all around me, holding me. And I was the spirit warrior in the middle of this. And like, I was Arjuna and Krishna was there. And it was just like, whoa, whoa. And the Gita, I have been studying for the last year, uh, devotedly. I mean, every single week with my mentor, I have a whole notebook full of notes. I'm studying it in three different versions right now. Um, I'm reading one on my own, one with my teacher, and then a, another one, because I, I want to get all the different views and understand it my way. So to have this moment with Krishna and Arjuna and myself and the Gita was just everything, you guys. It was almost like, and this is what I mean when I say before, now I understand why ayahuasca wasn't ready for me until this moment. This was the moment that I was supposed to experience her and really sit with grandmother and you feel all your lessons, you feel your devotion, you feel every single thing. And this is why it all made sense, why this was the time. <sighs> okay. Let me take a little sip of cacao, take a breath for a minute. Just let that sink in for a moment and coming up, I'm almost done with this night. And then I sit with peyote and then ayahuasca one more night and then I'm done. It's shorter from here. That, that first night was like the heavy hitter. Okay. And so the dog is still with me, by the way, the whole night, he's still with me through all of this. He's still on my little mattress. And I look at the dog and I think, man, how lucky we are to have pets in our life. How lucky we are to, to have little reminders, little creatures that help us keep our love so pure and so unconditional. Thank God for them because relationships, even kids, even you know other things in our life can feel not as pure as the pure love that you have for your pet for your dog or your cat or your bunny or your ferret or whatever you are, your bird or whatever you have, there's a purity that comes with pets. And so I felt the purity in this, in this little dog here and the purity of love and how the sutra even goes to the animals too. And then I go to the mirror. I go to the bathroom, finally go to the bathroom and pee. And I, then I'm looking at myself in the mirror and this is risky. You know, I mean, I, depending on how you take mirror stuff when you're on, you know, entheogens, uh, you know, whatever. So I'm, the candle is lighting, lighting up one side of my face and I'm in the mirror and I'm looking at my right pupil and I'm staring at it. And my pupil turns first, my eye turns into my grandma's eye and then turns back into my eye. And I say, okay, we're going to do some shit here. And then I'm looking at my pupil. And then all of a sudden my face around me starts to change to an old wise woman and gets wrinkly and just wise. And I can feel the wisdom and almost, she looks like native American. You know, she was so serene and calm and her eyes were powerful and just that shape shifted. Then it shape shifted into a Panther. And I don't know why I thought it was a Panther, but that's just the word I have for it. And I could see my mouth and it was like a cat mouth and a cat eye and there was fuzz. And then it was like this wise woman and then this Panther and this, and it just kept transforming. But the one thing that remained constant was my eye. And it was like, I am with you forever. No matter what you do, no matter how old you grow, no matter what incarnation you take, there's a constant here with all of us. 
and it's my soul. It's my eye. It's me. It's my being. And that was like a really cool moment with my eye and the shape shifting everything around it. And then Claire tells me that Panthers are a, a symbol of feminine, strong femininity. And I was like, okay, cool. It still go. It goes all, it all works with my whole thing about sisterhood. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that, that end of the night I started to, you know, take a deep breath and go, whoa, like, like, whoa. And just think, you know, um, the, facilitator told us to look, lay down and I could not lay down the whole night. I'm like, Nope, I'm sitting up. This feels like I need to sit up with grandmother and be attentive and pay attention and be here now. And I felt like when you sit with grandmother, you sit with her, you really, you sit with her all night. She's with you and you have a conversation and, but it's, it's in pictures and it's vibration and it's feeling and when you sit with her, you really sit with her. So you be prepared. You prepare your body, your mind, your spirit. Don't just go into these ceremonies because it's trendy, because the potential to get your ass kicked is so real. And I felt, I felt the intensity and I felt the power. And I was just so glad that I was in a good space <laughs> because I could feel how it could be very intense. But what I do know for sure is that it's always good. Even if you go through an intense experience, even if you go through a very intense emotion, it's always for your highest good. These plants are plant teachers. They are plant medicine. And even if you need to get your ass kicked, it's in the name of love. It's so that you're a better human for this earth for yourself and for your life. So if you need to go in there and you're in a, in a weird state of mind and you haven't done your, you know, your dieta, go in and get your ass kicked. You'll be so thankful for it because it's all done with love. So that's the end of night one. Okay. In the morning, uh, we start, we, we get ready for pod who I call Padre father medicine, uh, peyote, which I love peyote. I have sat with Wachuma before, which is San Pedro, but there's something really beautiful and even and sobering about peyote. And the way that the story was told to us is that in the native American tradition, they used to have peyote meetings and they would sit around and talk and meet and be with each other and secrets would come out stuff that they needed to get out would come out. And that's something that peyote is good for. Uh, and so it took a while for the medicine to kick in. We took a strong dose and it started, I started to do yoga because it's a little bit more active than ayahuasca. It's more of a daytime medicine. And I started to do yoga and I was, you know, and I mean, Krishna Das was playing in the background and, you know, my, another one of my guys who I love is Krishna Das. And so again, I'm still, I'm in this world of just this whole weekend was set up for me and the facilitator had no idea. I had no idea, but everything that was going on was perfect for me. And I don't mean that in a selfish way. I mean it in a way that I prepared and it was time for me, you know? And so I'm doing yoga. I feel so connected. So in my body, everything just feels like powerful and just so graceful. I could feel every little 
every little step I took, every little, everything I picked up and moved was like so gentle and graceful. And I opened the door and it was just quiet and so methodical and everything just felt so connected. Um, and I'm sitting outside with peyote, looking out over the, the Sonoran desert, the cactus. I can see all the big, beautiful cactus off in the distance. And I'm just feeling the wind on my face. And I think ayahuasca is a mirror. She, yes, she has her own medicine and her own vibration, but really what she is, is a mirror. She's a reflection of us. She is us. And I was so excited to meet her. I, 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 I wrote a little poem. I wrote two poems while I was on peyote, which I will share with you. And so I was so excited to meet her and come to find out she is me. She is me. She has been me the whole time. She is also you and everything, it, it, you know, and there's no really, when you think about it, there's no separation between anything in this universe. The greatest illusion that we have is separation. And so my theory about she is me is right in, in a way because there's no separation. And how could she not be me? How could she not be you? Um, and so I had this, this funny chuckle, this funny aha moment realization that she, this, this spirit of the earth that I couldn't wait to meet and experience and see and sit with and feel this thing that I thought was outside of me is not outside of me. It is me. And that's just something that I've been learning is like, I keep trying to deflect the divine and think that it can't be me. I see the divine in nature. I see it in creatures. I see it in everybody else, but it's been something that's been hard for me to pinpoint within myself. And so this was one of those moments for me, like, oh, of course she is me. Of course. Um, so that was a really amazing moment for me. And then I'm doing this little walking meditation around this carpet. Um, but I'm on the tile floor and just feeling my feet touch and my posture is great. And I have my hands in prayer and I'm just, and now I'm talking to Padre, peyote Padre. And the way it was told to us is that ayahuasca is the smart one. She has the big visions, the big everything. And peyote is instructional. It's like, okay, this is the advice. This is what you do next. Kind of like a father medicine, right? Like if you, if you think about the energies of mother ayahuasca and then the father, is like, this is the instruction. So I say, okay, Padre, we're going to have a little conversation before this day is over. And I start asking him questions and I say, all right, Padre, what do you think about marijuana, my use with marijuana? And he said, do it with respect, do it in ceremony, do it with intention. Don't get into your habits like you used to before, be in control with it. It's a plant medicine. Marijuana is a plant medicine. It's not something to be used as a nightcap every single night. Um, and that's how I was using it for 10 years. So I have no judgment at all, but this is how my relation to it. Now, this is a medicine and remember that when you're using it, that's fine. Use it, be in control, do it in ceremony and with intention. If you can, I said, okay, what about tobacco? And he said, again, intention, and smoke the good stuff, you know, smoke mapacho. If you're going to smoke tobacco, no cigarettes, don't mess with any of that shit. Do it with intention, do it in ceremony. If you're going to do it, do it the right way. So I liked this because it wasn't telling me no, it was just saying, do it right. And then I said, okay, what about having kids? And he said, eventually, 
have them. Don't rush, not too soon, not too late. You'll know when the time is right, but eventually you are going to want them. And I said, okay, I like that. Um, Cause Ian is four, he's going to be 40 soon. I'm 32. So he's like kind of ready. And I'm like, oh, I got some shit to figure out. I got to go to India. I got to go to the jungle. Like I got some shit to do before I bring, before I go to this next phase of my, my life. So when he said that little bit about eventually have them, it, it kind of gave me a little bit of peace on my, on my path. Um, and then I said, what do I do about grandma? What do I do about grandma in the last years of her life? And he said, love her, love her. And I do love her a lot. I see her as much as I can. But now what I do, the little things I do, like bringing her crumb cake and flowers and, you know, doing little stuff, cleaning up her house. Like now I'm going to do it with an even deeper felt sense of love for this woman. So I loved that. It was so simple. Right. I'm going to take her to the movies. If I can, I'm taking her ass to Poland. She, that's her wish that she wants to do. And I've been learning Polish on my phone. Um, and then the last question I had was, I was a little nervous about the second night of ayahuasca because I had such a beautiful night the day before that I was like, I don't want to ruin what just happened to me last night. It was so beautiful, so lovely, so just like, and I wanted to be careful of my addict mind because I do have one. I do have this all or nothing feel. I do have this more is better. I do have that gene in me. Um, and so I wanted to be really careful about how I went to the second ceremony. And what Padre Peyote said was, trust the medicine. And I said, okay, all right, all right. I'll trust the medicine. And then I told the facilitator this too. And he said, um, and yes, trust the medicine and trust where the medicine takes you. Because like I said before, it's always good. Even if it's hard, even if it's intense, it's always good for you. And so that, that set me back into trust. It felt really good. And I said, okay, I am ready for the second night. Um, and, you know, I had this beautiful conversation with the facilitator. My friend Mallory went outside for, for a walk. And so it was just me and him for a little bit. And he told me all about his, his initiations with these different, you know, plant medicines and Noya Rao and this tree of light and the Bobin sauna plant and the ayahuasca and all the training that he's done. And I, when I tell you, I was hanging on every single word he said, I was like, he's I'm like, he's probably looking at me like I'm crazy. Cause I was just like, could I didn't even blink. I was like, don't stop talking ever. I couldn't, I couldn't take in the information fast enough. I was so enamored by plant medicine journey. And I was like, this is my path. This is, I'm so interested in this. I'm so enthralled by it that how could this not be something that I need to look deeper into and study and devote myself to? Like, there's something here for me. The reason I am just so into what he was saying that I can't ignore the way I felt when I was learning. And what I felt in that moment was I know my path of devotion. I know what it is now. It's yoga, it's the Vedas, it's Hinduism. and and it's plant medicine. 
And I also felt this about sound too, but really in this moment, it was sound and it was plant medicine. And I don't really know what kind yet. You know, mushrooms is something that I've been sitting with for years, Um, but there's something special about ayahuasca. There's something about that. So since I've been back, I've been asking myself, what is my medicine? Tell me what is my medicine that I'm supposed to share and facilitate? Because I I will go to the jungle for eight weeks and I will study that and I will go through the hard ceremonies. And to be able to hold the space for people, to be able to be this steady ground and this calm presence and singing and the sound and the medicine music, there's something special about that. And I don't know if it's mushrooms or ayahuasca, but it's something. My connection to nature is too strong for it not to be. And so that's the next kind of path forward is what, what is the medicine that I'm supposed to share? So there's that. Okay. And so I'll just tell you my little, my little poems before I go into the last night of ayahuasca. All right. So this one was, I was sitting outside the sun, the sun was shining, the beautiful desert, Sonoran desert was shining on me. The wind was just grazing past my cheeks. It was the most beautiful wind, perfect, like 75, 76 degrees. Um, I was barefoot and I was just bliss. And so this is a little poem that I came up with. Also inspired by Mallory, my friend. Um, Come find me where the wind makes love to me, where the sun kisses me, where the water moves me, where the earth is me. Oh, mother, hold me and come find me. So that's one. That's one of them. Now, the second one is about how I couldn't wait to meet Ayahuasca. I couldn't wait to meet her and then me figuring out that it was me all along. Dear Aya, I can't wait to meet you, to see you, to experience you, to get to know you. And even if I don't ever have the words to describe you, it's just for me and you, for my faith in you, my belief in you, my connection to you. And when I finally met you, there was no you. There was just me. All along, I thought it was you, but she is me. Mm. And so that's, that's the second, that was the, you know, peyote day. All right. And I'm, this is the last little bit. Hang with me, you guys, not too much longer, I promise, but it, it doesn't get any less intense. So this is, I'm going to finish with a, with a bang. All right. Let me just take another sip of cacao. Keep, keep me going. All right. So we go into the second night and we start off with a little higher dose just to see where we were at. Um, And so maybe we didn't have to drink as much so we can maybe gauge it a little bit better. And so 
we go into the second night and my thoughts are kind of all over the place. Um, they're a little bit scattered. I keep thinking like, oh, I wish the music was louder. I wish I was more comfortable. I wish this and that. So there's all these like different little thoughts that were going on and it was frustrating me. And I was like, no, relax. Remember the first night, like turn into the flute. Where are you at right now? Like, relax, relax. Don't listen. Don't. And I was like, so I was kind of in this like, uh, maybe like nervous energy is the best way I could say it. And then the facilitator goes over to the harmonium. And the harmonium, if you don't know what that is, it's sort of like a little organ, like a little organ accordion, and you pump it and you play the keys. And it's used a lot in kirtan, in chanting and bhakti yoga and yoga classes and stuff like that. So he goes over to the harmonium and starts oming. And it's the most beautiful oming I've ever heard. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, more yoga, yes. And so... Then he does that one. And I'm just like, all right, the thoughts are starting to dissipate now. And then uh, he plays Hare Krishna and goes into that. And I'm singing along with him. And it's just like so wonderful, not singing out loud, but in my head at this point. And um, then he sings the chant that I mentioned earlier, Mire Guru Dev, my chant. I, I'm going to call him, it's my chant for now. And but earlier when I was looking around at all his instruments and all his stuff, when he was teaching me all this stuff, I go and look down at his harmonium and Mire Guru Dev is taped to his harmonium. So we probably could remember the words or maybe, maybe it means something to him. I don't know. So he sings it. And after he sings it, I just am just tears, just so many tears that it's unbearable. There's so much gratitude flowing through me. There's so much everything. And I felt like I had my own Krishna Das right in front of me singing. It was live kirtan. It was live chanting. It was live harmonium. It was everything I have ever dreamed of. And, um, you know, before I should mention before we started this night, he gave us a couple mantras to keep close, just in case things get a little hairy, in case things get a little intense or whatever. So the first one was more kisses. He said, if, if things get intense, you start to get nauseous, you're going into a dark place, more kisses. And that will kind of start to transform the vibration of things. Um, the other one that kind of goes with that is I am willing. I am willing to go through this intense thing. I'm willing to see the darkness. I am willing to work through this. I am willing to go through the nauseousness, whatever it might be. I am willing more kisses. And the third one was thank you. Thank you. Just thank you. And that can transform anything in our life. An attitude of gratitude can transform anything. You can never feel too, you never, you can never feel angry and grateful at the same time. That's just not how it works. So, um, so I start. After the chant, I start, thank you, 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 just over and over and over again. I can't get enough thank you out. And then all of a sudden, I get a I get a big old wave of nausea. And it's not just nausea, it's many more things with the nausea. And so I grab my little bucket for the first time in two days and I'm hugging the bucket. It's like in between my arms and I am just rocking back and forth, listening to the music. And I'm like, and the music is kind of buzzing. It's like, there's a certain um, like vibration to it. It's almost like a didgeridoo, like just a boom, 
and I feel the energy is rising and it's building and there's all of this stuff and I'm holding the bucket and I'm like, you know what? It's all right. I'm, I've been waiting to puke. I don't mind purging. Like, let's just, we're just gonna, you're just gonna roll with it, you know? And in this moment, I, not only do I have to puke, but I have to shit my pants. I have to fart. I, <laughs> I have to pee. I have to burp. I have to vomit. I have to ever, ever, my body is so confused. I literally can't move. And if I move, something's going to come out. So I just stay in it. And I just keep repeating. I am willing. Thank you. Thank you. I am willing. Thank you. It's all right. It's all right. Just keep breathing. Just keep breathing. So I, I do. And as I keep saying, thank you. And I am willing all of a sudden about 10 minutes later of this, like really confusing body state, really uncomfortable state. Um, it passes and I'm able to put my bucket down and I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep you close. Cause that was a lot that just felt, um, and then that kicked off the next sort of grandma situation. And so I felt I saw my grandma's face again. And, you know, it's interesting because this was all about my grandma and I was sitting with grandmother medicine. So it kind of makes perfect sense. Um, but I was, I saw her face and I thought I saw her and I thought about telling her how much I love her and how thankful I am for her in my life as my grandma letting us live with her for a little bit when I was little rubbing my back and singing me songs to sleep and just thank you for being who you are to me. And then I again, got to this deep level of feeling good feeling. So, so grateful for her that it was painful the tears were unmanageable. I was rocking back and forth. There was snot, there was everything. And it was the most beautiful, just almost couldn't even take it how much gratitude I was feeling. So it, it looked painful. It felt painful, but it was all in the name of gratitude. And so I, I, I want, I, I just want to get across the fact that it wasn't really pain. It was beauty. It was so beautiful that it was painful. And then uh, so how I said a little while ago that I, we lost my grandfather three months ago. Um, I lived, I was in my grandma's body. I lived his passing through her. I felt everything. I felt everything. She was sitting on the bed holding him. And he was taking his last breath. And she could tell it was coming. You know, the hospice nurse told her. And it was just her and him in the house. And my aunt and my mom had been staying there and taking turns off and on to take care of him. And my uncle was out of the house who lives there. And it's almost like he waited for it to just be her and him. And she could feel him going. And she was saying, don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me. And she was holding him and I lived it. I could feel it. I could feel her pain. I could feel her fear. I could feel her grasping on for just one more second with him. I could feel every single thing that she was feeling in that moment. And 
then I felt grief for her in that moment. So I felt her living through that. And then I felt my sadness for her having to live through that. And it was just like this deep retching, just, oh my God, right now. But it was all because she loved him so much. Again, we're back to love because she loved him so much that her grief was so deep and her fear was so deep. And she was, and they were together 63 years. 63 years. And I thought about this is her pillar, this divine masculine pillar that was with her, her whole life was slipping through her fingers. And she tried so hard to keep him here. I mean, she was feeding him with a syringe in the hospital bed. She just, I mean, held on to him to the last second that they could both hang on. They hung on. And so I just, I just felt and loved and felt and loved. And I could see her, she was on the couch and she was in my arms and I was just holding her and just holding her. And she was crying, breaking down, weeping, crying. And, um, and then I had this super, super clear moment um, that I am going to help her die. And that she is the reason I am here on Cape Cod. And I had this for sure clear feeling that it's me. Um, and I'm going to help her die with so much fun and so much love and so much gratitude. And I want her last words to be, thank you. Thank you for this life. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for all the experiences that I have lived through. I don't want her to die cranky and complaining. I want her to die so loved and so grateful for everything that she's got to experience and for all the love that she has around her. And she has taken care of people her whole life. She was a nurse before she was married and then got married, took care of my grandpa, waited on him hand and foot, had four kids, waited on them hand and foot, has six grandchildren or whatever, and like loved us and has taken care of us. And like, I just felt like as the oldest grandchild, like the reason why I'm here is to help her pass on with love and with gratitude and it, I just felt so sure of it. I was like, oh, that's why I'm on Cape Cod. And, you know, me and Ian look at houses in Florida all the time. We look on Zillow like once a week. And I just felt so clear, like we are not leaving Cape Cod until grandma does what she needs to do. She's going to die in her house, just like my grandpa did. She's not going to a freaking nursing home. Like I'm going to, I will move in there if I have to for however long, but it was just so clear to me. And I even saw a little tattoo that I'm going to get. So I have all the cards that I have ever saved from her. And they always say, love grandma and grandpa or love grandma and papa. And um, I'm going to get that tattooed before she goes so she can see it and know that she is with me forever. And even though she doesn't like tattoos, I know she's going to like that one. <laughs> and even I thought about the way that I want to die. And the way I want to die is with thank you on my lips. Thank you as my last thought. Thank you just right 
on my lips as I, as I leave this physical existence and go into the next one, whenever that may be. Thank you is how I want to leave my body. Okay. And so basically that was, that was that ceremony that night, another deep, deep one, you know, and then we come to the end of the ceremony and the facilitator says, and he asked this the first night and I totally chicken shitted right out because I was like, nope, I don't sing. I don't know how to sing. My sister can sing. I can't sing. That's just not me. And so he says, does anybody want to share a song? After all of the singing that he's done the whole time, it felt like he sang the whole night and was just carrying uh, just the whole stuff with his voice and his guitar and the rattles and the drums. And he, his voice is amazing. Um, and so he said, does anybody want to share a song? And you guys, I thought about this all fucking day. I was like, all right, I don't sing, but he was saying that sometimes in ayahuasca ceremonies, this is where you can find your voice because it gives, it lets you out. It opens up your throat chakra. It kind of lets you express some things that maybe you haven't been able to express before, um, and in a certain way. And so I was like, all right, I want to sing a song. <laughs> I was like so nervous, but I've been thinking about this all day. And I was like, okay, if it's a song, it's going to be Sita Nita Bobansana, which is my favorite plant medicine song, or it's going to be my chant, Mire Guru Dev. And so when the time came, I said, all right, I want to share a song, but I don't know if I can do it alone. I was like, I've never heard my own voice. I've never, you know, I don't know the timing. I don't know anything. I, I don't know what to do. And he was like, do you, do you want me to do it with you? And I was like, yes. And he said, do you want me to get the harmonium? And I was like, yes. And so he went over there and he was like, all right, I'm going to play the melody first. And then we're going to go, oh, it's 444 right now, as I'm saying this. And then, so then he plays the melody and he says, okay, here we go. And we chant together, Mire Guru Dev. And I sing, I, I open up my voice and I sing and I could feel the yearning. And I, I sing this every day in the car, like, but it's with Krishna Das, you know, it's over the radio and I turn it up and I can't really hear myself, but I'm definitely, there's noise coming out. And in this one, I could hear myself. And afterwards he, you know, stopped playing. And he said, thank you for sharing that with me. That was beautiful. And I was crying of course, cause it was the first time I had ever sang and it wasn't terrible. I was like, all right, we can we can work with that. I'm, I'm now not a singer. I'm just not a good singer yet. <laughs> and so after he told us the story about how he was in music school and his, he had to get up and sing in front of the class. And it was like quite traumatizing for him for some reason, like it, it, something happened and his teacher told him something and it, I guess it wasn't really whatever, but for some reason for 20 years, he thought that he could not sing. And that just broke my heart because his voice is amazing. And I was like, Oh my God, for 20 years, for 20 years, you thought you couldn't sing. And that is like the opposite, the absolute opposite of the truth. <laughs> and so it broke my heart. But what he said was that like, everybody, everybody on this earth can sing. I've heard this artist say this to me before too. Everybody's an artist. Everybody can sing. Everybody has vo vocal cords. It's just a matter of letting it out and learning how to use them. And like birds, birds have vocal cords and they don't need lessons to learn how to sing. They just know. And if you think about all of the different religions and traditions and different things that go on in our world, we have 
um, singing and dancing are two things that are constant, no matter what you believe in, no matter where you come from, everybody has song and dance. And so he was saying that, and I started to really believe in myself um, and, and just like sit in that say, okay, maybe I can sing. And, oh, my dog just walked in <laughs> and just thinking, oh, maybe I, maybe I really can sing. And so um, ever since ceremony to let you in on something, I have been singing um, in the car kind of by myself and like listening, listening to my voice and what it sounds like to be like let out. And, um, and the song that he said he broke his sort of silence with was in a ayahuasca ceremony and it's called, please prepare me. And it says, uh, please prepare me to be a sanctuary, um, pure and holy, tried and true with thanksgiving. I'll be your living sanctuary for you. And it's, there's a, a version of it on beautiful chorus. And I've been listening to that and singing kind of the shit out of it. Um, and that was kind of the end of the ceremony. And then he's like, I think you should go outside right now, get some fresh air and feel the desert. It's quiet. There's like little creatures everywhere. There's um, just, and look at the stars and everything. And I said, okay, I'm going. So I went, I sat on this bench and it was real quiet. And the clouds, there were no stars, but the clouds were really mysterious. It was almost like a, a really weird perspective type thing. And I could hear little creatures and I could feel the wind on my face. And all of a sudden the wind blew. And I was thanking the desert. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for being here. Thank you, La Loba. Thank you, the spirit of the desert. And I was just in this moment of gratitude. And all of a sudden the wind blew and a flute. And I was like, what? Come again? And it was, it was almost like the spirit of the desert just let out a little with the wind. The wind had the flute in it. And it was almost like the desert just blew me a little kiss. Um, and just was like, thank you. And don't forget me. Like I'm real, whatever you're thanking is a thing. And thank you. It was the most beautiful moment, the most beautiful way to end this ceremony, to end this whole week in the desert and everything. You know, I thought about Sedona and all the whole journey with that and being in the hammock for three nights and, and even like the native American cave paintings and all of this stuff. And, um, that was just a beautiful little, little kiss from the desert to send me off back to normal life. Like, don't forget the magic. Because whatever you think is real, whatever you think is magical is. And um, so in the morning, we're cleaning up and getting our stuff together. And we have a little bit of time before our Uber gets there. And I'm talking with him about all of his flutes. I'm totally geeking out. And he, and he actually teaches sound stuff too. So I'm like, okay, I'm for sure, for sure becoming a sound practitioner. Remember I bought the sound bowl before I even left to go there. So it was already in my awareness, but now I'm bringing in the Native American drum. I'm bringing in the flute. I'm bringing in the sound bowls. I'm bringing in the rattles. Like this isn't just going to be a sound bowl class. This isn't just sound healing. This is going to be a whole sound journey. 
that I'm going to take people on and there's, and I'm going to sing, I'm going to sing the chants. I'm going to sing some of the different native American songs and I'm going to honor. There's just my whole, my whole mind is just like blown. So we're talking to him and the girl that I'm with Mallory is bought his sound course already. And she's like, what do I need for it? And he's like, well, you need, you need a flute, you need a drum, blah, blah, blah. And so he's like, I actually have a flute that I give to my students or that I sell to my students if you, you know, want to take one home with you. And so part of me, my stomach dropped because I'm like, wait a minute, I've been talking about flutes since a month before I got here and then playing the flute in the temple, having the flute vision and, you know, all of this stuff. And then, you know, then she's going to get the flute, but I was like, all right, it's all right. I already know which one I want. Like, I'm just going to order it when I get home. And then, so she gets the flute and she's like, Danny, how do you? can I be real? Like sister, like, how do you feel about me getting this flute? Cause she knew like this kick I was on and she, and I made just jokingly like, Oh, like put a little, you know, like held my, put a little stab in my stomach or something, but I was just like, no, it's all right. I'm going to get one when I get home. And then he comes up and actually hands me one of his that he has never really connected to. He just, he played it a little bit, but it, so he handed me one of his and like to understand, like, and then the tears, I was just a mess, bawling, crying, just couldn't even, cause I thought I wasn't going to get a flute. And then she was and the whole, uh. and then to know how special this was for me with the chanting and his background in bhakti yoga and his background with all of the stuff that brought him to in the moment that the couple hours that we had where he was teaching me about the plan. So it was like a very, very special moment. And I, and it's a native American flute. It's right here. It's from the Navajo Indian tribe. And I named it Navi and I'll play it. I'll, I'll see if I can play it at the end. And you said, this is one of the hardest flutes to play. So if I can learn how to play this, I can play anything. Um, and so I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning. And it sound it sounds like something. Okay. And this is like, you know, a couple of days post ceremony. So I'm like, I don't know, what is it? Five days post ceremony. And I'm already starting to, so I can see how I can play this after my classes, um, in the sound journeys that I'm going to do, like everything is starting to click into play. So I'm like, okay, this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to do yoga, study yoga, teach yoga. I'm here to practice sound, share the sound medicine and be a sound practitioner. And I'm here to study plant medicine and facilitate ceremonies of some kind. Like it is so clear. This is what I am freaking here to do. <laughs> and it feels so good to have that clarity. And it's so me, it's so everything that I care about. And just to give myself the permission to do this feels amazing. Um, and I've been tiptoeing around it and not owning my power and not owning myself in this and not thinking that this was a way that I could do and make a living and share medicine with the world. Um, but it's all there. It's all, and all the online stuff still goes, still stands. All the conscious champion stuff still goes, but in-person stuff, it's going to be a little different now. It's going to be a little more geared towards this kind of stuff. Um, and so feeling very, uh, feeling very sure of this whole path. And even I had a vision when I got home and the clarity, like when you're done with ayahuasca, just when you leave the ceremony, the ceremony doesn't stop there. She is still with you. She's teaching you. She's guiding you. She's giving you clarity. She's putting people in your path. Like it all just starts to click even after ceremony. So even if you have kind of a hard ceremony, the magic continues and even in a bigger real life thing happens afterwards. And so I have this idea. So earlier I told you that I, so 
going back to the combo ceremony combo with the frog medicine and the thing. So they burn, I'm just going to show you a picture. So for those of you on YouTube, you can see this. And so I got six points of combo. Okay. So here they are six points. And at first I was so pissed at myself. I didn't do seven. Cause I'm like, I'm going to get this tattooed and I need seven for the seven chakras. And I was for a whole day. I was pissed. I was like, man, I should have done the seventh one and blah, blah, blah. I like would not let it go. And then, um, we get to ceremony and the first night is love night. Right. So I'm like, Oh, perfect. So I'm going to put a love, a heart as the seventh chakra as that's the crown chakra is the heart. And that's just what it is. And then these are going to be the other lower six chakras. And then after the second night, I'm like, wait a minute. How many holes does a flute have? Six. <laughs> a flute has six holes, you guys. And so I am going to get a tattoo on my leg right there. And it's going to be a flute. It's going to be this flute with six holes with the heart at the top for the seventh chakra. It looks something like this is just my crude drawing of it, but I want there to be feathers blowing in the wind to always remind me to empty yourself, empty yourself and become so clear that the universe plays you, that you become the instrument of the universe. And to always remind me of this, of this time I had in Arizona and I love flutes. I always have. And now I'm going to learn how to play it. And I'm going to also learn how to be the flute. And if I ever forget, I can look down at my leg and remember the combo. Remember that there was actually nothing in the way, even though you thought there was. Remember the heart sutra that threads through everything and everyone. And to remember to be empty and let the universe, let Krishna, let God, let source play you as the instrument of its work. Um, so that is, that's it. And the clarity and today, a couple hours ago, I went to, this is my last little thing and then I'm done. Okay. I promise. Um, earlier today, I went to a shamanic healing, uh, session and I planned this session before I went to do ayahuasca, but before I left for Arizona, I got COVID pretty bad. I was sleeping for like seven days and I was so, I was like, oh my God, am I going to even be able to go? But it helped me fast. It helped me get off caffeine. It helped me get off social media, all of the things that I actually really wanted to like sacrifice and do and diet myself from. So it helped me get off of all that stuff. So I had the COVID, couldn't go to the shamanic healing thing. And I wanted her to clear my energy. Um, because you know, before I went, so that's what she does. It's like a clearing, getting away the dense energy and everything like that. So I had to reschedule until I got back into town. And so I went today, a couple hours ago, and now it makes total sense why I couldn't go, why I, why before wasn't the right time. You guys, I walked in there and it was covered with native American drums. She had sound bowls. She had feathers. She had all, I mean, it was like spirit space on steroids. The whole, every single, every single, there was crystals, there was everything in this small little tiny room. And she was a shamanic healer. 
And I come in and she's like, well, do you have anything wrong with you? I'm like, no, I'm like, honestly, I am flying so high right now that I, I, I don't even, I just want to talk to you like about your stuff. And, but she ended up doing the healing. I got on her table, the table was vibrating. The music was super loud. And before she went, she prayed to all of the directions, North, South, East, West, and each direction had ancestors and had animals with it and protect this and take our prayers high and guide us white Buffalo and the, the hummingbird. All of it was so just amazing. And at the end of it, I asked her, you know, we were talking about all about shamanic healing. I'm like, listen, I'm going to be back. I don't know if you take students, but like, I want to be a student of yours. I want to do all of these things. Um, and I asked her about her drums and I'm like, the drum is the next instrument that I want to get. It's about $250. And, you know, that's the next thing that I can afford. The sound bowls I want are like 2000. So that's going to have to be a minute, but I can't wait to get those anyway. So the drums. So now I'm on the hunt for drums, even before I got there. So I walk in and see seven drums on the wall. And she's like, well, I'm going Saturday to make my own. And I was like, what? So I found this woman who knows where we, I can make my own Native American drum where she has drum circles. And I'm like ready to like learn from her and totally be her student. So I ask her, what makes this kind of feeling shamanic versus Reiki healing or versus any other kind of like healing? Like what, what makes it shamanic? And she said, well, I bring in the elements and the directions and the plants and the animals and the guides and the spirits. And for the first time ever, I heard the word shaman, shamanic, different. At first, I always thought about it as being just the plant medicine shamans in the jungle. But now I'm understanding that sh shamans are people who are connected to the earth, to the creatures to the medicine of the earth. That's why a lot of them are the medicine men and women, because they are so connected to the plants and the animals and the creatures and the spirits and everything just made sense. And I was like, Oh my God, like I, and these are, these are places that I play all the time. I mean, I'm obsessed with the elements. I'm obsessed with the earth, earth creatures. I love plants. I love trees. I love everything to do with this. And so I am a shaman or going to train to be a shaman, but there's something, there's something here for me that is me that I've never looked at before. And there's healing you, there's healing and there's study and there's spirit in this. And after doing the medicine, being in Arizona, connecting to the earth, to the medicine, you know, ayahuasca, peyote, even mushrooms connecting to the spirit of the the feathers. And I, I brought, you know, my people feathers. And I don't know if you can see me, but behind me where that candle is on the Buddha, there's the, all that black behind him is all turkey feathers. There's probably 50 turkey feathers that I find. And so I'm so connected in a way that I didn't even know I'm in this space and I didn't even know what it was. And so now I'm having the clarity of like, oh, it's the shamanic way that I'm, I am to study. It's the yogic way that I am to study. It's sound. It's the instruments and me, the instrument. <sighs> and that's where I'm at. You guys that like, that was pre-ceremony through ceremony to today, present day, right now, a couple hours ago where I'm at.
and you know, I can't stop singing. I can't wait till I can sing in front of people and feel good. Like I'm picturing myself around the sound bowls, chanting to Gayatri and chanting to like Ganesha and just being all grounded and being good with my own voice, you know, and not being afraid of it. Um, and not being afraid of me and letting my light shine and not being afraid to let it fully shine. And I feel like it's coming online. I feel like it's, there's something new that's awakening in me and there's clarity and there's a path forward and, and it's, it's just perfect. So I'm going to try to play this. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't, like I said, I'm still learning. I'm still very new, but I'm going to close this podcast. Um, with a little bit of this flute here. So bear with me if it takes me a second to get the the vibration right. All right. perfect, but I'm working on it. And I keep feeling like if I can do this now, while I'm not good, then when I am really good, there's going to be no fear and it'll be a fun journey for everybody to, you know, go along me, go along with me and, you know, share in this beautiful. So this is Navi, Navi named from the Navajo tribe. This is my boy. He's a boy. He's a male. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me. I know that was two hours of your time 
And I just want to say with all of my heart and soul, thank you so much for joining me for this whole talk, for this conversation, for sharing in this love and in this deep gratitude with me. Thank you for caring about my journey and for walking and talking home to love with me. Mm. I love you all so much. Contact me if you have any questions at all. And uh, I'll see you on the next episode. Peace.